Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold. I am just back from Israel, and I have an Israeli accent now, so get used to it. No, I don't. But I'm so excited for today's show and for and for next week's for part two today we have kirsten michelle sills who you may not know her name but you will of course after you hear my interviews with her well it's one interview but it's cut up in two parts and she is extraordinary she is extraordinary for many reasons but i feel like we need to hear her story right now because of all the stuff that's going on in this world. And uh, it was such a treat to interview her. And I and I hope that you, I hope you, you're a little different after you listen to uh, part one and part two. I know I am. I know she really helped and helps 
to put things into perspective. So sit back, relax, and enjoy part one of my interview with Kirsten Michelle Sills. Hello, everyone. I know I say this a lot. I'm really excited about our guest. Um, I feel like it's a very special episode. It's like a back. It's it's like a um, what were those things called? After school special episode (laughs) of Kill Me Now. I heard about this person. And I said, I have to have her on my podcast. Her name is uh, Kirsten Michelle Sills. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. You know, the three name thing annoying. But anyway, I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I could do Judith Hannigal. I could reinvent myself as Judith Hannigal. Okay. Anyway, um, she is, and I don't say this very often. She's a great comic, she's a great writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the pickiest person in the world. Really impressed. Really impressed. She's an actor. Writer, I guess you could say producer, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You could say a lot of fucking things. And one thing we might want to mention is that she has cystic fibrosis and is terminally ill. (laughs) And that is what her comedy is based on. And it is brilliant. Um, And... Kirsten, I'm so fascinated with you because, um, well, first of all, I'm writing a show uh, based on my book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians all in trouble where you're going to listen to the audio book because you're a comic and you kind of have to. Right, I am. All right. You doing the. Yes. No way. All right. Yes. And you know what's great about that, Kirsten, is that I did the audio and then they mentioned it as like a pick in the New York Times book review. And my parents are dead, so it didn't matter. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, it matters to me, Judy. Thank you. <laughs> you were born in what? Ninety four. Before I just turned twenty eight. Wow, twenty eight. That was a good. Your look. Your yeah. I guess in your you're at the best looking part of your life. I know, and that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful that I'm not going to get old is because like, this is how I, this is how I want to look at my open casket. Right. It's going to, yeah. you're going to look really hot, Prime. really yeah. hot. Yeah. You're going to do an open casket. No, I, I don't know. Well, all right. I feel like if I die of natural causes, yeah. But I feel like if I die, you know, if something crazy happens, although actually right. I think it would be similar if it, yeah. We're going to be talking by the way, trigger warning. Not that I ever have. We're talking a lot about death and we're talking about life today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I need you. I was thinking as I was showering, I actually put on, I put on perfume for you. Not that you can smell it. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Um, but I was thinking my listeners and the entire world needs you right now um, to put things into fucking perspective. Now, uh, Kirsten, let's start at the very, let's start at the very beginning. You um, originally from New York, Lower Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And you uh, lived with your dad. When you lived in New York, you lived with your mom, your stepdad, and your stepbrother. Mm-hmm. And my, yeah, and my brother, brother. And your brother, brother. Now, did you like, or do you like your stepdad? 
He is not my stepdad anymore. I have a different stepdad now. Um, so your mother's a slut is what you're... Yeah, she's she's too hot for her own good. And right, right. It's her... Well, you're hot, so... <laughs> yeah, she's like if I were more fit and richer and blonde. Like, she's everything I, I want. Right. Um, yeah. No, she's, she's a baddie. And uh, yeah, so she is... This is her third husband. Wow. Um, but she was only married to my dad, like my actual dad for two years. Like they, you know, they got divorced when I was like a baby. So like, I just wait. So how long did they know each other? Do you have an, is your brother, your brother must be older than you then. If you Yeah. My brother's two years older. Like they were married, like just had me and my brother, Brad. And then they got divorced when I was like a, a little baby. Like, did they meet like in, in college or something or. Oh, they met. My mom was like a server at an IHOP. Uh, as the story goes, and it's funny how when your parents are divorced your whole life, you never ask the like, how right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Never cared. Um, but I'm pretty sure they met at an IHOP. Um, and well, it is as I, I forgot which comic used to talk about this. It is the international house of pancakes. Amen. I know. The and international. I, yeah. And that's why I was born cultured. And so, yes. we are, yeah. And so that's where they met and they were married very, they got married like, how old really? were they? She was like, I think she met him when she was 22, maybe. Oh, all right. So this is like first type baby she relationship. Was a, exactly. Right. And I always forget they know each other because, you know, I'll <laughs> but I, I will talk to my mom and be like, oh, my dad does this thing where blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, I was married to him. I'm like, oh, my God. And you call him my dad. That's hilarious. Yeah, like, you know, Gary. Yeah. So they've been divorced for 28 years now. Um, so no hard feelings, but then she married right. my stepdad, Anthony and Anthony was my stepdad in New York. And Anthony was my stepdad for like most of my life from like five to 16 or 17, I think. Right. So the most important formative years, right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so to answer your question, I did like him. Um, I think I like him a lot more now as an adult, like I don't still talk to him, but like looking back, like you can understand him more. Uh huh. He was very, very um, hippy dippy in a very confusing way for a child. Um, he was very crunchy granola. Like, oh, Anthony, someone yeah. named Anthony was crunchy granola. I know, and he was like this big important person. We lived in the penthouse of the building he owned. Like, he was like a what? He was like a corporate. I I don't know. I'll, I'd have to ask my mom this, but actually, I just want to forever live with what I think happened. Wait. Yeah. Okay. Go. But he was super like, he was like the first person I ever saw when I was young with like coexist stickers everywhere. And he was really into like, he and my pastor from church, they would go to like sit-ins and like get arrested for like standing up for, I don't know, like civil rights, whatever. I didn't understand as a kid. Why can't there be more rich people like that? I know, I know. And that's exactly it. So when I was a kid, I was like, that's annoying. And now I'm like, where are they? Right? Like, right, right. More, right. Why is it that you can't be rich and also a good person? And so he was really cool looking back, but he was very feely. And my mom's like that too. My mom is like, she's a real like Brene Brown bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. She, she's, she's, my mom works in mental health. And so she's, she's very aware and knows all about so annoying stuff. And Anthony was like that too. And I was always just like, can we not talk at dinner about our highs and lows of the day? <laughs> <laughs> so like, now I'm a grown up, and I'm like, okay, well, that's why I, you know, didn't grow up 
to be a serial killer or anything. Right. But that's that's so funny because, uh, you know, I'm a lesbian and my kids are both straight guy, straight white males. No, my condolences. Thank you. Yeah. So bad. But um, uh. I asked both at different times in their life, their girlfriends at the time, are they different than other guys who were raised by, you know, hetero mm-hmm. and they both said, oh, my God, they talk about their feelings all the time <gasps> and they cry. I know. So when you were saying, do we have to talk about, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, that's so lesbianic. So wait, what what about your stepbrother? Do you did you have a bondy with him? Do you still talk to him? So here's the thing. So Anthony was 15 years older than my mom. And so her she was closer in age to my step brother than she was. So I don't remember the exact timeline, but like when I was five, my stepbrother Skylar was like maybe 17 or 18. All right. So nothing. Yeah. Like absolutely not. I remember him being cool. He wasn't mean or anything, but just, you know, no relationship. Right. Mm -hmm, Right. Okay. I have a brother, Brad, who's like my whole ass brother. Yeah. Right. Now, do you remember when or the moment or your earliest memory of knowing I'm sick? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Like, do you remember them telling you? Yeah, go ahead. So it's hard because like, you know, because you're born with cystic fibrosis, like I've never lived a single day as a healthy person. So I, I also don't know what of my daily experience is that different. You know, I know like from what we all see of each other, but as far as like what we do at home, you know, and especially childhood, like I had a healthy brother. So I kind of got a sense of like, oh, Brad gets to blank yeah, and I, yeah. when he's tired and I get tired and I have to do my um, percussion vest for 30 minutes. And then I have to do my nebulizers and then take my pills and then I can go to bed. And so like, you know, I remember like noticing differences, but then I'm like, I guess as, as a kid, I'm like, is that boys versus girls? You know, right, right. I don't know, right? Is that that's the gender binary right there? But uh, so we were like, I always was very sick, and I definitely didn't leave the hospital when I was born for like a little while. Of course, I don't remember that, but I know like because CF is, it's now they test babies for it in the womb. But I was not diagnosed until I was seven because it was the 90s. And right. so I it was 2001. It was a rough year for me all around. OK, I want to go back to that. So, uh-huh. yeah. So until so you're ill, but you don't know what it is and you get diagnosed at seven. Now, I do have a question. That's a weird question. You were living in New York downtown. Did you go to PS 123? I think I did. Because. This is why I'm asking. So uh, on September 11th, 2001, uh, I know that you were walking to school with your mother when the second plane, first, I'm sorry, the first plane went in and you really, you literally had to run faster than the building was falling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Which is enough trauma for what you saw people die. You saw shoes. You saw. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. the reason I and and I know you were going to PS 123 
because I figured it out because my neighbor, uh, Marjorie, who this is the Jew bell, by the way, Okay. Um, okay. anything Jewish. Um, So my neighbor, Marjorie's best friend, Anna Switzer, um, was the principal of PS 123. Anna was 1000% my principal's name because we called them by their first names. Yes. And Anna that morning saved all those kids, like not Uh one. She, and they weren't, she was in people magazine and everything, but I thought when I read, when I was reading and doing research about you, I said, I get, I bet she went to PS 123 and Anna was her principal. That's exactly. Yeah. Cause I lived on, um, like John street. Um, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, the next block over from right. the towers. And yeah, that's I definitely 100% cuz it was very cool that we called our team. Anna and Jack Jackie, right? Jackie was the assistant principal, you know, probably, but I right, right, okay. remember we had a principal named Anna. Yeah. And I remember about that day that because we were late to school, my brother and I, so we it was a real like what are the odds we happen to we could have already been there in school. We should have been, but we were running late and we were running so perfectly late that we just happened to literally be standing on the corner there when it happened. So it was really awful timing. But then when we got to school, because my mom didn't know where to take us, because when you're a kid, you think she's grown up and looking back, I'm like, she was probably 30 years old. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, you know, um, And she thought like school's the safest place. Let's just go. And because you're so close to it, you couldn't see what it was. Like you could only really see if you were further away, but it was just directly above. It's like construction or you just saw like fire. And so we ran to school. And then I remember all of the adults asking us what happened because they couldn't see, you know, because they I, couldn't I mean, see from the school. Yeah. And they were trying not to freak me out, but they were like, but it's scary as a kid to have a bunch of like, like a teacher pull you out of the room and be like, can you tell me what happened? Like for their own curiosity. And I was like, I think it was construction. My mom, you know, I remember a really the loudest noise I ever heard. And then I looked over and my mom was crying immediately. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And then within 10 minutes, the PA announcement every 10 seconds. It's like, this person is your mom's here, your mom's, your dad's here, you know? So it was a very briefly lived time in school before, like you said, we all ended up, even if your parents didn't come, we all had to leave. And then, yeah, the school ended up getting, it wasn't able to reopen. And I remember we went to different schools, like almost every week for like, we stayed in a hotel in Manhattan after we lost our house for like 10 weeks or something. And so we just kept going to different public schools and we would just meet different kids all the time because they couldn't really find out how to coordinate us. So I don't know that I ever like saw my teachers or Anna. Like It's just free. I mean, do you think that your mother knew what happened and just didn't tell you guys? I think about that a lot because my mom was very much treated us like, adults in a good way, not in a toxic way when we were kids, um, because she had us very young and she was a single mom up until she met my stepdad. And so she was just very like, we're all in this together, you know? Right. So I, I think if that happened today, if you were walking down the street and you heard a huge explosion above you, you'd be like a, a terrorist attack of some sort, a bomb, a plane, but when it had never happened before, right, right, I don't think that your first thought is that. And I remember not knowing what it was, I, even if my mom not knowing really, as she says, like, 
until we were able to get somewhere that had a TV and the news was saying terrorist attack. And I, you know, I don't know what that is or anything at the time, but I don't think she, I think for, to a certain extent, because I remember when people were jumping her saying like they're falling, you know, and like, I'm sure she knew that wasn't true, but, you know, made us feel better in the moment. Um, but yeah, I don't know if she like, I can't fucking imagine being like 30 years old with, and you're in charge of two kids. Like I'm right. 20, I would, I would need to call my mom and be like, what mom, what do I do? <laughs> you know? And there was no cell phones back then. So she's, Oh, you're not kidding. I, I, um, huh? I mean, we all have our memories of that day. I was breastfeeding my 21 year old and my five-year-old at the time, or he's 26 now, but almost in September, but he was, he, that was the day he took the bus to kindergarten by himself for the first time. And he was so excited. Yeah. And so when I, I left Ben with Marjorie after I, and I had to walk over to the East side to go get Henry and all he wanted to do was take the bus. He was like, why can't I take the bus home? And I had to, explain but we yeah. could see down second i mean you could see everything mm-hmm. i can't i can't even imagine being seven and i mean that should be god the only horrible thing that happens to you in your lifetime you know how <laughs> i say that all the time i'm like why do i have to have both, both. yeah one alone would be like a life-defining thing that's like right. stick. And that's what makes it so hard, Judy, about when I do when I do longer stand-up sets, like if I get to do like a 30 or something or a 45, and I get to do both my cystic fibrosis terminal set and my 9-11 set, they don't fucking believe me when I get to the second part. They're like, there's no way these are both one person, you know, like right. if I'm not on oxygen at the time, because then there's I already have to do a lot of convincing that I'm terminal when I'm not on oxygen. And then I bring up 9-11 or vice versa. They're like, get this bitch off the Wait, stage. yeah, uh, we can't take both of these. Yeah, yeah they're like, mm, yeah, I bet this happened to you. Like, you're just trying to do this, you know, for two Oh, shut the fuck up. I so, gee, I hate everyone. Hey, everyone, you know what I just did? I tore, I poured, and I enjoyed a packet of liquid IV because I love liquid IV. Liquid IV is a major part of my life. And I just worked out with my trainer and I had a delicious lemon ginger liquid IV. That one has a little extra that has a little green tea in it. And so that's a little caffeinated. So I enjoy that because I needed it today. And you know, it's getting warmer out. And what does that mean? Summer. Oh God, please come. It can't come soon enough. And that means you have to hydrate. And that's what liquid IV does. It hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. And it has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in one little stick. And that's why Liquid IV is the number one powered hydration brand in America. Okay? And I love it. I use it every day. Ben's basketball team uses it. It is a science-backed formula that works. 
it keeps you hydrated. And they have sugar-free. They have sugar-free packets in white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime. Okay? I didn't do the sugar-free. Okay. But Elisa does the sugar-free. So what are you going to do? You're going to stay hydrated because it's very, very important. And Liquid IV has been a longtime sponsor and I love them and they are a quality product. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to turn your ordinary, ordinary, can't speak, turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use code JudyGold at checkout. That's J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code JudyGold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, can't even say my name, at liquidiv.com. Got it? You're welcome. Like, what are your memories of that day? Just, or, and do you try to block out... Yeah, not really try to block out because like, like I said, my mom's always been very like emotionally intelligent. So like we got put in therapy immediately after right. 9-11 and I have been ever since and I have therapy tomorrow. So, oh, I have therapy at one thirty today oh, with my therapist yeah. who's a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, my current therapist is a trauma therapist. I try to work with them if I can. I'm all, you know, when I turned 26 and I lost my mom's insurance, I had to scramble and leave, you know. That is fucked up. It's bullshit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I had to leave the person that I had loved, but whatever. I love Bridget is my therapist. Um, she's not Jewish. You don't have to ring the bell. Okay. But, Shit. Uh, I just went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and she's the fucking best, but yeah, she's like a trauma therapist. Right. And so we do a lot of like, there's these different techniques. One of them is called like, um, EMDR. Yes, I know EMDR. Yeah. Yes. And I they did that to me when I was like 12 or 13. Right, right, right. Like when I get, when I'll go through phases where I have, even as an adult, I have like crazy nightmares weeks in a row, you know? Right, right. So, um, yeah, but I, I definitely talk about it just, you know, especially in standup because I have to make jokes about it. Well, you have to make jokes about the reality. Like, this is my fucking life. Don't tell me what not to talk about. Right. I know. I know. And yeah. So like from the day, I mean, I remember a good amount, I, like nine 11 is definitely my first memory. I, I don't know that I can remember very much, maybe anything prior to like, and again, I was also at that age where right? I think you is when you start to have memories. Right. Adult. But like I, from as far back as I can look, my first memory is the noise of the plane like everything getting really dark because the plane was flying so close you know that it was like yeah it blocked the sun yeah out of the whole thing because it was so low um and everything getting kind of quiet and weird for a second and then like the loudest noise you've ever heard and then looking turning and looking to my mom and she was kind of in the street trying to get like a further view and she was crying already and i'm like right how are you crying already? Like, what, you know, <laughs> right. What do you know that I don't know? Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so I remember that I remember the, the walk back from school was really hard because we had to go through. And that was when, you know, the, the I mean, it was still was dust. I mean, I smelled it, bro, bro, it, it was you know, in central park, I smelled yeah. it. I mean, we I can't those, even, yeah. We were those people in those pictures that everyone's covered in white, you know? And so 
I remember my mom being alone with us and having to get us through the city. And I remember so many people, like, I hate when I hear people say, oh, I lost all my faith in humanity on September 11th, whatever. And it's like, I saw more amazing acts of like wonderfulness from strangers, like random businessmen when the one building was falling and we had to run. Um, and literally my mom couldn't carry both of us. So like pe- a- adult men who I didn't even know picking me up to help me run like with my mom, you know, and, and it's like, you would never think like, that's when, I don't know, obviously it was not a good thing that happened, but it brought people together. Uh, and I remember, yeah, people being really nice. I remember you couldn't go into any building. I don't know if you had this experience, any building you tried to go into for cover, they're like, oh, we heard a rumor. It might, this might be bombed. So everyone needs to leave. And so then you couldn't go inside anywhere in lower Manhattan. You just had to be in the street where it was happening. So it was very counterintuitive. Um, yeah. Those but, those- and it's, it's also like, um, I, I heard you say on an interview that you could see your, ha- every time you see video of it, you can yes. see your house, mm-hmm. um, which was destroyed. So you not only leave your house to go to school, you have nothing to go back to. Yeah, exactly. You lost everything. Right. And I know once my mom got us with my stepdad, uh, you know, which was like a whole ordeal over the course of like the first few hours, I remember she went back to our apartment building and it was still there, right? Everything was like fine. It wasn't like ruined yet. And she, we were on the penthouse floor, but she was like, I'm not taking the elevator. So I remember she said she like literally <laughs> went all the way up in the stairs um, and I imagine she got my meds, uh, if I had to guess like what it is that it was like, we got to go back in, you know, um, like some core things. And then, uh, yeah, then that was the last time we ever went back. I, you know, I left for school and never went back again. So it was a bummer. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's, and then we went to a hotel for so long and hotels are not. No, believe oh my me. God. No, horrible. But it, was, it was cool. Cause like a lot of my friends were staying in that hotel also. So like, Oh, that's good. I I bet you had a lot of friends who lost parents. Oh my God. It was like, you would get in the elevator on the way down and you'd be chatting with someone, you know, and they would be like, Oh, did you hear this person dead? Oh, that that person's dead. You know? And you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Friends who like all their parents worked in the building and stuff. Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fucked up, but yeah, then we never, we moved to Philly and I just, Never. Yeah. So yeah, you left for for work and things, but I never, you know, know, it's funny because I mean, your experience is beyond.com.edu. But I, I, I remember, I guess it was like three days later, something Ben got some weird infection Uh uh, and we had to go to NYU uh, hospital and it's right next to the morgue. And, and I don't, people don't remember, uh, you probably remember pictures, posters everywhere. Oh my God. Of if you people. see, yes. If you see, please call. If you, uh, you know, um, the, looking for black and it was all over, it was all right. over. It was, and I remember I got to the hospital and he had to have a spinal tap. It was horrible. He had a terrible, oh he had like 105 feet. I know, but it's just like a kid thing, you know, like he had a yeah, virus, whatever. And, um, I remember I got to NYU and we got in the hospital and I said to the nurse, is it busy? 
And she said, no. And that's when I, I knew they were like, they were waiting. I know, but I said, are you must, are you busy? And that that's when I knew that no one was surviving this fucking thing. Right. Even as a kid, like, and it's fucked up. Cause I like, I remember thinking like, cause the signs would say like, missing and i was like right they ain't missing i'm sorry but like you know do your thing you need to hold out hope but i was like yeah they weren't just magically kidnapped the day of 9-11 right right we i i could probably deduce what happened and i'm seven but yeah that's i didn't even think about that like the hospitals probably weren't overloaded they were hoping they probably but they were waiting they were like they were all prepared for all right let's go let's bring the injured that's yeah and i I remember I, I stayed there in the hospital with him and I remember I would hear just like one little noise. Like I heard someone walking down the hall with a piece of equipment. I'm like, Oh my God, another, like it was, that's how scary, like for, you know, yeah. Oh, you're yeah. like, I mean, you have it way worse than I had it, but no, it, yeah. it was, Oh, I, I was so, and I, you know what the other thing was, it was so fucking quiet. The next day when they closed airspace, it, uh-huh. I'd never heard it so quiet before. No, and that's way more upsetting because then any little thing is like detrimental. It's the loudest thing you've heard all day. And it's just like a garbage truck. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So then you're, you, so your your family stays in a hotel and that wait, don't say anything. And then you move to don't say anything because i wrote I it down uh you go you move to horsham <laughs> pennsylvania horsham mm-hmm. horsham we, yeah kind of we we live it's like 10 miles dad. from philly right or yes. something mm-hmm. we lived with my grandparents for a little bit they lived in the suburbs of philly um until we like got back on our feet and had enough to like get a a home Um, and so then we, yeah, we stayed living in the suburbs of Philly. Uh, Was it so, do you remember it being, I mean, being weird going from a city to a suburb? I remember one of my core memories, I swear to God, Judy, was the first time I had what the suburbs of Pennsylvania calls Chinese food based on what I was getting in New York. Right. And And you're downtown, so you're getting the best Chinese food. Yeah. Right. And we had all the time. We always had Chinese pizza. Like, you know, my mom was in school. My stepdad was working. Like, they didn't cook a ton. And I remember we always had. And it was like starting when I was five. That was what I thought it was. And I was appalled by it. And I remember. Yeah. I remember. It's like eating a bagel in like, you know. Oh, God. Right. Kentucky. No, you have no fucking, you know. No, you have no fucking idea. Right. Yeah. And it makes me sad for these people is what they know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I remember like we had a backyard. That was cool. Um, We, you know, we had like, and my dad lived in Philly. Brad? No, Brad's, you're and Brad's father? Actual father. Mm -hmm. Okay. His name is Gary. And so Gary, yeah. Gary lived in Philly the whole time we were in New York. Um, so whenever we would be brought back to visit him, like we would get to do like grass and like trees and, you know, like we, the shit you like. So that's good. You got to have a relationship with Gary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, really better now as an adult. When I was a kid, it was not. Does Gary have a whole other family now? 
He does have a whole other family, yes, but I very much like them. They are also my, he has my stepmom who has the same first, middle, and last name as my mom. We don't have to get into that. You're Um, fucking kidding. No, Sherry Lynn Sills. (laughs) Wait, she, wait, she has the same exact name as your mother? Well, she just married my dad, so now she's- she's But it was Sherry Lynn? Sherry Lynn already, yeah. What the fuck is that? I don't know. It goes, it's got to go deep, right? So do they go Sherry Lynn one and Sherry Lynn (laughs) two? Well, we'll just call, I guess the thing is like, I just say, when it's Brad and I, we just say mom and Sherry, but like, yeah, when it's, uh, when they're talking, I don't know how he differentiates. I mean, I guess he doesn't have to, because you know, he's had two wives now and they're both named Sherry. And yeah. So <laughs> so he has a yeah, and then I have a step uh sibling as well. So okay, like, yeah, like my Sherry's daughter. Okay. Do you like yeah. Cherry's daughter? I do. She's okay. such a badass. She is like, even though she grew up like in she like where they live is like Cowtown, Pennsylvania. Like mm-hmm. no joke when you go uh when you drive down their like suburb, there's a whole ass like billboard that says Jesus is the way on it. Oh, like, shut the fuck you know, up. Yeah, I know. Jesus. It's not that, yeah, it's not that far from where I grew up. So it's weird. I, you're not reacting to my Jubel. I don't oh, understand. I love, I love the Jubel. Did you say Jesus? Is that Yes. Yes. And you guys got no reaction. Okay, that's a good joke. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, but Brooke, my sister is like super, even though she grew up there, like super artsy, super gay is going to arts. Like she's a lesbo. Oh yeah. She's super gay. She gets another bell for that. Going to college. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Going to college for like fine art in the fall, like living her. Okay. I love her her gay life that she never got to live in the suburbs of, you know, PA. Um, so we love that. And I think good learning experience for my dad as well. You know? Oh, good. Well, I thought he's coexist. So fuck him. <laughs> That's Anthony. <laughs> oh, Anthony's coexist. Right. Okay. My dad is not coexist. <laughs> okay. Hey, everyone. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked to my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very 
very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. All right. So you moved to Philly or uh-huh. Horsham. Horsham, which everybody and, calls Philly just because we want to, you know. Okay. And there. you then, do you get diagnosed with cystic, fibro- bre- f- cystic fibrosis in New York or in Philly? In Philly, but really soon after, because my doctors in Philly at this children's hospital called St. Christopher's Hospital for Children, and they are, they have a cystic fibrosis center. And that's, you know, I can't just go to any hospital as my main doctors. It has to be one with a CF center and it's not super common. So they happen to have one and they were the ones who advocated to get me tested. Like the lung, the general lung doctors were like kids who are healthy or who like don't have anything wrong with them, aren't in the hospital this much and sick this much. So they knew what was wrong. And so then they did like the kind of in-depth genetic testing that is now readily available, but so right. not. now it's like, you could fucking do it through the mail, like 23 and me shit. Right. Uh, they did it. And then I tested positive for cystic fibrosis with the genes and with the, they do like a sweat test on your body to see, um, like your sodium. Well, I don't know. And, and so, yeah, so they diagnosed me like pretty much right when I got back, which was pretty dope because then I was able to get on like all of these antibiotics that I, no one had ever tried because they didn't know I had CF. So did, do you, rem- did your doctors tell you, or did your parents tell you, hmm. you have this mm-hmm. disease and I feel like I was, <laughs> I feel like I was diagnosed with CF at seven and I don't feel like my mom told me till I was nine. Like, and that maybe that's like, wow, a, that's great. I don't think she kept it from me, but I maybe just cause like I couldn't, you know, you could understand it. Plus you just had the nine 11 thing. So it's right. like, you know, like I saw, I, you know, I know you saw people jumping out of the window and we moved and all your friends, parents are dead. I'm going to hold off right. mm-hmm. on telling you. Know, you. Like, she also saw those people die, and now her daughter has a disease. Right, right. <laughs> She's the real victim here. You should be talking to Sherry, really. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, so, like, she gave me my meds. I don't know. I was always taking medicine regardless. It wasn't like suddenly I'm, you know, in hospitals more. I was always in hospitals, just never knew why. So then they had a name for it. So I guess the treatments became more uh, effective, but they didn't have a lot of CF stuff back then. They still are working, you know, only 70,000 people in the world have CF. So it's- It's fucking ridiculous. Now, I just want to say one of my favorite jokes that you do, because you do joke about Mm 9-11, which makes me love you even more if that's Mm -hmm. possible. Um, that you have a joke about 
where you were at nine, you know, like what you went through. And then you talk about in a very perfectly timed way, which is great because now I have to, I'm required to listen to where everyone else was, you know, during <laughs> Idol. Yep. And, and it's just a great it. joke. And it's a great joke. Do people ever, are they like, oh no, which is what I fucking hate. Yeah. So, okay. So <laughs> I get this question a lot. I don't have like a solid answer for it yet. I don't want to give you a question you get all the time. No, no, no. I I, I literally don't. I, I still wonder because the thing is, you know, you know, when you're on stage in the lights, you can't always see people's faces. But oh, I can tell. Like, yeah. There is a hush that falls over the room for the first couple of, I mean, in realistically, it's probably 10 seconds, but it feels like. I call seconds. it. Yeah. I call it the readjust. Yeah. Because. I, I, you know, I remember that when I came out on stage, which was in the mid nineties, uh, and people had known who I was before that. Cause I had an HBO special and all this. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I have a kid and I come and I'm like, I have to, you know, I'm gay. Yeah. And I could hear, I could see the shift. There was a, like a shift. In the yeah. audience, like, and I'm like, I'm the same fucking person, asshole, you know? Right, because they came to the show think, feeling like they knew you because they saw your Right, and then you tell them, yeah. oh, and I have kids and I'm gay and blah, blah, and they're like, oh, wait a minute. So there's there's like an audible shift. So I, I feel like that's what you're saying. Wait, uh, wait, did you get heat? Like, oh my God. Um, Yeah, I got people yelling shit, but I- I really was determined. I mean, I couldn't not, I couldn't be a, like you're, it's just like you, you can't be a comic and be playing lying, you know, lying about who you are. So, and here I am before I had kids, I really had no material about being gay. I was in a relationship, was boring. Like I didn't have any jokes about it. But then once Henry was born, I had all this material about being a gay parent. So I came out. You know, and every comic talks about their family. So, of course, I'm going to talk about my family and I'm going to talk about what it's like being a lesbian mom mm-hmm. and what everyone says to us and everything. But, yeah, I was advised against it. But I was like, I can't live. I can't sleep. I can't live with myself. But if I am proud of my family. Right. Why would I like what kind of message is that to my kids? Like, we don't talk about it. I don't, mommy doesn't talk about it. No. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Um, that you have to keep doing what you're doing because yeah, this, this like, you know, adjusting because you're fucking uncomfortable too fucking bad. This is my life. You piece of shit. Okay. Um, and I think that's what gets hard because like I said, there's always going to be that level of, do we believe this? You know, but that um, you have to let that go. I know. And you like, have to say, I don't care if you believe it or not. This I is my truth. Don't, right. They don't have to believe it. I mean, a lot of the times, like, cause my mom lives in Philly and she's very supportive. So she's at a good amount of right. my show. So I do often make a joke of like, my mom is here. She can confirm. Right she now. can verify. Yeah. Yeah. And she'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, thank you. Yeah. And so like people, I don't, care if people don't believe me because if they don't believe me, they're not going to believe me. They do end up believing me once I start getting into details, but it's just that first, like I said, is 10 seconds, but feels like 30 right. until I 
can explain because the way I set up the joke as if I'm seems like you've listened is I don't ever say that I'm talking about 9-11. I just right. say Philly's crazy. Uh, New York is even crazier. I lived there as a kid. I think the craziest thing I saw was one morning I was walking to school and, you know, you think I'm going to say like, and a naked guy walked by. Right. Um, and I say my mom and brother and I were standing on the corner of a building waiting to cross the street and a plane flew over our head and crashed into the building. And like, that makes everyone be like, what? And the, I think if I just said 9-11 to start, it would be different. Oh um, no, it's brilliant the way you do it. Thank you. But that is, I think, where the adjustment comes because right. I also hit them out of left field because they thought the story was going to be about like a, a but that's the brilliant, that's the, that's the brilliant part of comedy. Yeah. It's a surprise. It's joke is a surprise. It's a buildup of tension and a release. Exactly. I don't want to hear your fucking joke that I know where it's going to end. Like, right. And I I think the the only time I've ever really gotten, I've ever really lost them. Like as a, you know, cause usually the audience starts to split. And if you get even a 50, 50 split, that's a good amount of people who are not liking your joke. Right. Only one time have I ever really like lost them as a team, you know, it was like all of the audience. I won them back at the end, but like I got asked to do this show and, you know, someone saw already had seen me perform. And so they asked me to do the set they saw at this show. And so I go up and I do my usual whatever, and I'm doing 40 minutes and I, this is like, I was excited to do the show. It was, it was a really great venue, but they just told me like month prior and they said, well, we're going to do it, you know, like, uh, just mark your calendar. You know, it'll be like, uh, some, uh, like the weekend after labor day, whatever. And so I do the show. I like, I start to realize closer and closer that it's the 20th anniversary of September 11th is the show. And I'm going to go up because I didn't market. I'm like, you know, I was just like, great that next weekend. And so it was last year. And I had to then go into a show with my usual 9-11 material on a day that everybody is talking about and observing. And then I have to still make it seem like it's true. And there's just no, I was able to win them back. Even with my mom in the room though, it took a, (laughs) but that is, I know, but getting them back is, yeah, the skill. That's a skill. I did stop. I, like I off the cuff, what said, like, I want to take a minute just to say, like, I do this set all year round. <laughs> this is not right. Just, I was, you know, I said I was doing it in February of 2018 and March. Right. You know, I was like, it's just that today is the anniversary. If you haven't heard, but it was, it was rough. But I think for the most part, anyone who I've had people come up to me after shows and be like, Oh, that's a pretty, uh, pretty bold up there for talking about 9-11. Oh, shut the, I want to punch their fucking faces in. Get yeah, out. with the intention of why are you talking about, you know. Right, like, it's all about them. It's all about the pretty bold. Fuck you. You know what's bold? That I get on stage, you fucking piece of shit with the tiny dick. Okay. Right. I was going to say, I will pass you the microphone and I would just yes. love to see your yeah. when you have a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and because, uh, yes. And so I feel like I do get comments like that. I get, you know, comments of people being like, I think a lot of it comes from them still not understanding that I'm telling the truth because I do have people, right. like, you know, I liked your jokes, but I think it's really insensitive topic to joke about. because But no one cares about what you think. I know. And what I had someone say the first time I did it was, 
I, I think your jokes are well written, but I just didn't laugh because that actually what you're talking about did actually happen to my friend. So like, she's actually the per that actually did happen to her. And I was like, it happened to me too. Were you fucking listening? Like, I wasn't just, I wasn't just making up a story. Oh my God. You have to listen to my book. You have to listen to my book. You have to. to okay. Because I'm sure as fuck not going to read it. I'm so sorry. I, it's all right. No, listening is better. Um, I so much fucking school, Judy, like, because I was always in the hospital. I, I know. That's what I, I wanted mom. to talk about. I wanted to talk about that. The fact that you lived most of your childhood, you spent most of your childhood in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. In a hospital. Um, and which is so funny because I'm sure you have a lot of, or material about quarantine. And it's just so funny to listen. I mean, I loved quarantine. I don't know. I was a lover of quarantine. I heard, I've heard you talk about it, that you have this skill. You have this, you know how to be by yourself. You know how to entertain yourself. Mm -hmm. You know how to be bored. Like I feel like our, the whole problem with this world is that people are uncomfortable being bored. So they have to they'll look at any bullshit fucking phone app shit, fucking mm -hmm. cat bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, it's always but, fucking cats too. Uh, I know. And, and I, and it's like, you, you, I heard you speak. Can you talk a little bit about the entertainment cart in the hospital? <laughs> oh, that fucking thing. Yeah. Did you have, did you have any like other kid friend in the children's hospital who you had befriended or were you just couldn't go out and socialize with? So it depends. So like when I'm in any hospital, I am almost always guaranteed the only person with cystic fibrosis in that hospital statistically. Wow. Um, like at the time, not necessarily patients, but um, I can leave my room if I needed to, although I don't, cause I'm usually, you know, wired up and stuff. But as a kid, because I was going to one of the few cystic fibrosis centers in the, you know, the East coast entirely, um, it was a hot, it was the hottest ticket in town. If you had CF, you're going to fucking St. Christopher's. Right. And so because of that, and, um, so I should preface by saying that people with cystic fibrosis can't be within six feet of each other. Um, I don't know if you have ever heard that, but like I, I've never heard about a six feet apart thing. I never heard I know, that. What's crazy is that the fact that my whole life is quarantined and the whole six feet role is very right. Funny. And these and people are like, can't fucking they're like, yeah, they, yeah, they're like, it's really it's it's been really hard for them. And they're in my prayers. But I like, <laughs> but I, I feel like because people with CF can't be within six feet of each other, we carry bacteria that only each other are susceptible to. There's been a couple episodes of like Grey's Anatomy and stuff about it. Like people with CF meet online and then they fall in love. It's happened a couple of times too. And really? they, they're like, we're going to defy all odds and then they die immediately. So like, it's fucking, they're like, we're fucking Romeo and Juliet. Right. Um, yeah. It's so stupid, but never really becomes an issue. Cause I, it's so rare. I don't really come across people with CF. Um, but and yeah. also you can't get the whole sympathy thing. If you both have CF, yeah, that's what I'm you saying. can't take so advantage much. of the other person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's only so much attention someone in a room can get. Right. And I need it. I was at a wedding recently and there was another person on oxygen. She was like 80, but I was genuinely annoyed. I was like, Are you fucking <laughs> <laughs> this, is my thing. this is my thing. Get your I, fucking tank out of here. Yeah, bitch. Get, roll, yeah. roll out. Thank you. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. So I, when there's two people with CF on the same hospital floor, um, because it's a kid's hospital, they have a whole playroom and all this, but you're touching everything. Right. So basically only one of you for the stay for the whole stay can leave their room. Um, they can't just be like on this day, you can on this day, you can, because either way we're touching the same shit. And so it be, you know, it's basically whoever was the sickest or whoever got there first, or I don't know how the straws were drawn, but I felt like I was always the one who couldn't leave the room. And the longer you're there, I mean, if the one person checked out and then I was still there for like a week or two, then I could leave the room. But so we, I was always stuck in the room on what would now be called quarantine, but at the time they was called contact isolation. And it's like, you see like the doctors in the gowns and every only one person in my room at a time a lot, depending on how sick I was. And the cart was, I mean, you, you would, you would fight for the cart and like the entertainment cart. You could yeah. get a payment card. You couldn't talk to each other, but you could talk to the nurses and ask them to like put your name in the ring. You know, like when the cart becomes available, can I ask you to make moves? Um, you know, <laughs> what, what are we, you know, every day, every morning, like what's our plan for if we see the cart free, you know? And they'd be like, oh, well, this person already, and I'm like, they just got So here. what? what's in the cart? Like v- movies, like what toy, yeah. like Mm-hmm. So it's probably, I don't know, a 20 inch round TV course. And it's on this big wheelie cart and it's got an N64, um, with two controllers. Wow. Rude to remind me that other people have people to play with and right. <laughs> by myself. Um, and they had a couple games, a couple of VHSs that were always the tape the real part was always a little broken and never right. and whatever, but it was a, a hot commodity. And so when you would get it, you, you didn't get it for very long. Um, I don't remember how they judged like when your time was up with the cart, but if you got it, um, like by bedtime, that was the best deal because then you can fall asleep to a movie, you know? Wow. Yeah, I know. And you put, and you had to bribe the nurses and stuff and yeah, well, I was, I uh, will never be able to make up for the way I treated my nurses as a child. I was such a fucking kind. I was. (laughs) They used to call my mom and just be like, your daughter. (laughs) I would pull out my own central line IVs. I would like, I don't know where I thought I was going, but I literally thought I'm packing my bags. Like I'm just going to walk down 95 South and get home on my own. (laughs) I lived 50 minutes away from the hospital. And so I was a fucking nightmare. So it wasn't easy to get them to do me any favors. Um, but I think at a certain point, it was like, if we give her the cart, then we don't, there's two hours. We don't have to fucking. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with Kirsten Michelle Sills. What an incredible, incredible life. This this woman has part two is she's just amazing. So I hope you uh, enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help of the one and only Brittany Joe Sowards, who is a married lady. Uh, I just I've known Brittany for so long, and I can't believe she's. She's a missus. It's just, you know, you watch people grow up. You know what I'm talking about? 
Um, so uh, if you have not subscribed to my podcast, I hate you. And um, please leave a review. Please, five stars. Five stars, please. Please, five stars. Buy my book. Yes, I can say that. It's a great read at the beach. If you don't go to the beach, I don't know what's wrong with you. I, when people say I hate the beach, I, I cannot I cannot deal with that. Work at the audiobook. If you're going away, you're getting in the car and going on a trip, it's a great, uh, it'll keep you awake while you're driving and you'll learn something. I mean, that what, what is wrong? I'm just being my mother. What is wrong with learning something? Also, come to Cape Cod. I am performing every Tuesday and Wednesday at the Art House in Provincetown. And on August 18th, I will be in Sarasota Springs, New York, at the Mansion. It's a mansion, and they have shows at the Mansion. It's a really fun, it's a really fun place. So if you're up there by Albany and Lake George, come see me, because I think it'll be a really fun show. What else do I have to tell you? Um, nothing. I mean, trying to be positive. It's not working. Uh, but I'm recording this after a nap. So I was like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to give myself a nap. And then, of course, you know, I read in the paper that na- people who take naps are more likely to have strokes. I can't even, like, I can't even fucking take a goddamn nap without you know, feeling like, oh, great, this is this is an indication that I'm about to drop dead. So, whatever. I'm putting things into perspective after talking to Kirsten. What else is going on? Oh, I met someone at my show last night who listens to the end. And if you're still listening, just know that I am madly in love with you. So, uh, I met Gabriel, who listens to the end. So, hi, Gabriel. And he also bought one of my books, and I signed it. Okay? That's a real fan. I don't know why I just yelled, but... Also, if you don't follow me on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm on TikTok, TikTok, and I was doing these these bathroom shooting the shits, and then I stopped, and, and I have to go back to it because I really love doing them. Uh, but I need some assistance, so I'm going to ask someone here in Provincetown to help me with them. Because, uh, you know, you got to be on the socials. Ugh. Listen, wear sunscreen. Please wear sunscreen. Please, I'm begging you. And um, vote. Vote. I think votes count. I see that our voting counts, and that's a good thing. So, listen. Take time to focus on what's really important in life, which is listening to my podcast. And you know, downloading my albums. Those those are things that are real, that you could do to really help yourself. So continue on that path and um, be well. Enjoy the rest of the summer. You know, I love summer. It's my favorite part of the year. So enjoy it. Take a vacation. I went to Israel and I had the vacation and I loved it. I loved it. So I don't know what that was. There was German in there at the end. Anyway, thank you all. I love you. Thank you for your support. And as, as we always say, so long.